So in this conversation, let's talk about the history of conscious guidance and control. Let's talk about, give people a general overview of who created it, who was involved in that, and to what extent did humans have this skill or technique prior to it ever being formalized? Yeah, well, that's, uh, these are many questions at the same time. Um, well, the way we use the sentence, conscious guidance and control, originates with one man. Uh, and the man is called uh, Frederick Matthias Alexander. He was uh, an Australian actor. And um, uh, very, very early in life, he, he had a problem in his, uh, in his uh, type of work. He's, uh, he was losing his voice uh, because of, uh, well, overuse. Because at the time, there was no microphone. He had to project his voice into the room and uh, very quickly uh, he, he was on the verge of being like somehow famous in Australia and uh, he lost his voice. So he went to see doctors and uh, they diagnosed a, an irritation, okay? But uh, apart from rest, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't uh, well, give him any solution. And so he reasoned out that uh, he must be doing something for his voice to break like this. Because after resting, he would find that uh, at first it would be nice, it would be fine, could talk properly. And then uh, very quickly the hoarseness come back. So he reasoned that something he was doing must be in fact uh, responsible for the detrimental functioning of his uh, vocal apparatus. So that's, that's how the story goes. And um, very quickly, less than a year, he, he was back on stage. We know that from records of the time. And uh, not only that, but uh, the next year, he was already touring uh, New Zealand. He was from, well, Australia and he was touring New Zealand and we know that at that time he started to give lessons to other people and uh, uh, that, that's quite strange to to start as an actor and just after two years start giving lessons to people there is one element that is quite even stranger because most people have this idea that uh, at that time he was an elocutionist, a person that was teaching uh, vocal uh, development. He was teaching people how to speak and breathe. But there is a, a very strange account that, it, that cannot be doubted, is that uh, while he was still in New Zealand, his sister, Amy Machin, had a, an accident. Uh, she was, uh, she fell from a horse, but uh, her foot kept, uh, was trapped in the stirrup. So the horse uh, continued to run for a mile or so. And so after that, uh, you can imagine the state of her ankle and leg after I've been carried uh, along by the, the horse pulling on the foot. So... Alexander came back uh, to Australia and straight away took charge of his sister. And he didn't give her, give her a breathing exercise, not at all. That's, that's where things are very, very strange. Is that uh, instead of, um, uh, well, performing what he should have done, he started to give a lesson in front of a chimney and uh, these lessons were about going up on the toes. And you, you must imagine something is that when a person has had such an accident, there must be pain. There must be uh, fright. I mean, uh, the person must be anxious not to damage the ankle anymore. And uh, 
going up on the toes, uh, you have to know what you're talking about to teach one person to use the 27 bones of the foot and ankle in order to go up on the toes in a proper way. So this, it sounds as if Alexander already knew how to organize the, well, anatomical structure as a whole at that time, that is two years after having solved this own problem. And so we know uh, the idea of conscious guidance and control because uh, very early uh, Alexander started to write about that concept without much explanation, by the way. And uh, the first book he wrote was 10 years later, 1910. And um, in this book, uh, the book is about conscious guidance and control. So, so then you, you get an idea of what it is. So that is the, uh, the start as we know it in the Alexander Technique world. The modern Alexander Technique work considers that Alexander is the originator. Well, of course, I'm doubting this story. It's, uh, it doesn't sound feasible so that a person would uh, construct the whole technique as we know it in two years' time. And on top, he was a young man. And it was, he, he was more an actor than uh, a, a psychologist or a physiologist. Or, uh, so very early, I started to imagine that there must have been people around him that, in fact, uh, gave him some ideas or trained him in this idea of conscious guidance and control. So I started to look around and see if there was, uh, well, in writings or uh, anything that would explain where Alexander was at. And, um, well, I had very many difficulties. Even the fact that Delsart said that he was a Delsart teacher when he started his, uh, his first training course, his, his first, um, um, well, uh, business as an Alexander teacher, as a teacher of uh, breathing and deportment. Um, the books that were available on the Delsart system were, were absolutely contrary to the idea of conscious guidance and control. So that was very strange. It's only very much later that I discovered that uh, the Delsartism, the books that were written by the American, uh, were in fact uh, a pale uh, imitation of the ideas of the man called uh, Francois Delsart. And so um, this idea of conscious guidance and control, um, as we have to define it some more. So, so that people start to understand what it is we are talking about. Um, because um, what is conscious guidance and control? Is, uh, what is the object of conscious guidance and control? Of course, is to change the use of the anatomical structure. I mean, how we use the different parts of our uh, organism. So how do we sit, how do we stand, how do we appear? And this is the first thing I need to point out, is that, um, of course, we are talking about a man that was an actor. So for this man, there are two kinds of uh, movements you can make. There is a movement you make every single day during your daily life, yes. And then there is the, the, your business occupation. And Alexander's business occupation was to be on stage. And that makes a fundamental difference. And that difference is important to understand conscious guidance and control. So um, when you are on stage, you are, of course, uh, delivering some message, some verbal uh, lines to the public. But uh, a good actor should have a, what, we, what today most people would call a body language. 
that is in accordance with the uh, feeling that the character is uh, expressing or that the character is expressing even though he wants to hide it to another person in the play. So uh, in this sense, we understand that um, uh, what the person feels on stage has no value. It's, uh, the person is not on stage to feel good. The person is on stage to represent to in fact express something both with words but also with a gesture. So that's where the, the name gesture comes in. Uh, in English, most people understand gesture as an expressive movement, very often made with the hands or with the face. Um, when, we, when we consider conscious guidance and control, it is not the case. Uh, the actor is considering the whole self. That is fundamental to understand that when Alexander is talking of the use of the self, in fact, there is a difference. He's talking about the use of the whole self. How do we use the whole self? Not that part of this part, not the, um, I mean, the, the thorax for breathing, not the mouth for speaking, no. Is interested in the, how parts are linked together and how the production or the expression is always an expression of the whole. So the business of conscious guidance and control is to help an individual to change a habit. Most of the time we start with habits uh, we call physical habits which is uh, people which, uh, which are coming to me are coming because uh, they have discovered that when they play uh, the violin, for example, they've discovered that they have a limitation with their wrist, which is a very, it's a local uh, problem most of the time. Or they have a problem in the shoulder, which is local, problem in the back or in the knee. Or when they squat, they find they cannot go down because uh, something is blocking them and they imagine that it's around the knee or around the, the ankle, for example. So this is what I call a specific local problem. But the solution of conscious guidance and control is never local. That's the, that's the first. And uh, as the, uh, an expression that you send to the public is never a part. Uh, you, you cannot, if you make, uh, for example, a facial expression, but your whole uh, body gesture is uh, uh, contrary. People will not see your face, they will see your whole attitude. And it's also important to remember that he's a stage actor. So this is before close-ups with video cameras. So you had to, your whole body needed to be involved to display uh, an emotion or um, yes. some kind of uh, thought that the, the character was having. Yes, so uh, there was no uh, way uh, that a director could make a, a big, uh, well, to, to try and see only your face or only your feet or no, you had to, you, are, you were appearing as a whole person. You were part of the, of the, of the play as a whole person and uh, uh, to convey uh, an idea to the public, uh, it had to come through the whole self. So Alexander um, is very clear about this idea that um, human being works as a whole and can only be changed as a whole. So uh, this may be difficult at first to understand because to say it's changed as a whole, what, what does it mean? So Alexander is um, talking about the mechanisms, the mechanical mechanisms of the body. He often com uh, compare the, uh, the movements of the different parts as a machine. 
most people object to that. They think it's uh, it's it's a reductionism, reductionism. But um, but in Alexander's view, it, I don't think it is because uh, he considers that uh, if you want to go on stage and impersonate a character that is not you. For example, you want to impersonate a person that is very uh, tall, very uh, organized, very patient. And you're a young man and you're none of these things. You have to create, you have to impersonate something that is not you, meaning you have to change. That's, that's very clear. You have to change your habitual way of using the different parts of the mechanism. That's fundamental. And Alexander also knew very well that uh, for working with mirrors, that um, when you start to impersonate uh, an expression that is not yours, that is not part of your habitual register, well, you may succeed. For example, you may succeed in, in showing a, a very settled, very organized person with uh, everything in place. And, but in fact, you know very well that you feel absolutely distorted when you present something that seems absolutely symmetrical. It's, so um, the importance of the feeling is more an hindrance than a way to, in fact, implement the change. You are going to feel absolutely wrong, but it will be seen by the public as uh, the expression of balance, the expression of threads, the expression of uh, ease in movement. So there is a, a very strange experience to be made here, is that you will discover that everything you do has to be consciously ordered. You have to, you have to really implement decisions in the face of feelings that are telling you, no, not, well, it, it, this is like, I, I, the person will feel that, uh, the back is rounded, that the, the head is too far forward, that the knees are, are too close. Yes, but uh, everybody watching the scene will say, wow, fantastic, what an organization. So this shows that uh, the person was not, well, Alexander, when he says conscious guidance and control, is, uh, is talking of a guidance that is contrary to the feeling sense. And he says that conscious guidance is a new, uh, it's an, evolve, uh, an evolving part of the human mind before he considered that uh, there are two races. And one race is the people that are guided what is called subconsciously, according to their feeling sense, according to what they feel as right. Yes? Uh, according to, for example, if you ask yourself, what is equilibrium? So you ask a person to go up on the toes and uh, uh, the person will be in a situation where uh, equilibrium is more complex to achieve than when the person is sitting, is uh, really flat on the feet. And uh, suddenly, well, equilibrium is a sense because uh, it's quite easy to, to demonstrate that um, by feeling totally wrong, and totally out of balance, you can stay much longer on the toes than if you try to follow what you feel, which for most people would be quite a surprise. And for Alexander, I think it must have been too. So that conscious guidance and control is uh, not controlled by feeling. What you feel on stage is, uh, is of no concern. It's what you express. There is a lot of, uh, uh, the, the feeling side is not um, like uh, smitted. 
it's not uh, uh, it's not that the person doesn't feel anything. Of course, the person feels and cannot help to feel. But what the person feels when impersonating a character with different habits, different uh, deportment, is going to be of no uh, consequence. And uh, it's certainly not what uh, the actor wants to show to the public. So um, conscious guidance and control, you have to always to come back to this idea that it was in fact originated by people, Alexander and some others, that were all involved in uh, acting and all involved in um, a coordination between what the actor was saying and the physical expression that was going with it, the like uh, uh, physical gesture that was giving something more to uh, the lines. Because if you just say the lines, uh, they will fall flat. Everybody will see that you're just saying lines. The idea is to, uh, is to be like uh, a second nature. Uh, uh, the character you are impersonating uh, must look true to the public, even if you feel uh, and if you have to uh, really disconnect from the direct uh, feeling uh, experience that you have when you produce the gesture. Okay. Good. So that is uh, that is a start. Uh, it doesn't explain exactly uh, how this uh, idea came to Alexander because really nobody knows uh, exactly for sure. I have some ideas, but for sure, we don't know. There is quite a mystery around it because Alexander was absolutely not forthcoming about it. So conscious guidance is conscious guidance of the human structure as a whole. And uh, behind this, Alexander found that uh, all the different parts are moving to create a gesture and all these moving parts are interrelated. There is a, uh, a system in action and not a succession of different parts. So uh, the idea of conscious guidance and control is not to start with, for example, organizing the movement while teaching the person how to move the head and the neck. And when the person A is able to move the head and the neck, then we will go on on the second stage where we start to move the shoulder and the upper torso. This will never work. And so conscious guidance and control uh, requires the person, two things. And these two things are not about physical aspects. They are about uh, what we call mental aspects or cognitive aspects. Requires, conscious guidance and control requires, first of all, to understand uh, how the mechanism is supposed to work. And the second thing is to, in fact, start to Consider the idea that uh, one movement at a time is of no use because that movement can only happen if all the other parts are already also moving. And if they do move in their habitual way, you cannot create a change by changing one part of a mechanism that is so busy trying to keep exactly as it is with all the other movements. So. Um, suddenly you enter quite a new world, a new world where uh, we are not talking about exercises. How do you bend the knee? How do you uh, orientate your head? No, no, we are talking about how do you command a series of movement at the same time? Which means that uh, if you want to command a series of movement at different time, well, you must have an idea of these movements before you start. So you must represent these movements. These, uh, uh, and, and you can only represent these movements one after the other. So, for example, I explain to people different mechanisms and I say, when, for example, the elbow is moved outward, 
Well, it's absolutely obvious that uh, uh, the bones of the arm and the upper arm is moving with it and also the shoulder blades, which is articulated with the bone of the upper arm, while the ribs and torso may not move in the same direction. This is a theory and uh, it's absolutely necessary for the person that wants to improve her expression, a general expression, to well test whether what I'm saying is real and possible, not, not only for me, but for her, and she will in, well, engage into experiments. So conscious guidance and control is a method of cognitive experiments regarding movements. It's so you've said there that um, the fact that he was a stage actor was, sorry, was crucial in the development of it because they had to be able to project things consciously that they didn't, uh, they didn't feel. They, did, they couldn't go by feeling. He couldn't go by feeling. Um, but it's obvious this is something that people use. You don't need to be an actor to do this. Definitely not. And you don't need... Um, it's obvious that when we're talking about movements like this, all other activities of life that people are involved in uh, this can benefit from this. So d is this something that people had before Alexander worked on this? Um, yeah. Is this a skill people had? How, how did it work before? Because he seems to be formalizing something that, or developing a pre-existing uh, potential in people. Yes. Well, um, in fact, I, I, I do think that conscious guidance and control was not formalized before, but uh, it was used much more before than it is used now. Uh, I will give just a few examples. Um, every kind of um, workmanship was learned. I mean, uh, the movements of the trade were taught to young people. People did not expect that uh, a young person would in fact know how to use a chisel, how to use a, uh, any sort of uh, tool that needs a mechanical force. Well, for hours on uh, day after days without paying a sort of penalty if they didn't know how to use themselves while using the tool. So every corporation had a, a training and people had put a lot of thoughts into how to use different tools to obtain a particular result and uh, without endangering, of course, the worker. Because if you, well, if you start just to, to, to refurbish a house or to uh, start to uh, do something that is really involving repetitive movement and physical activity, like imagine somebody that is cutting wood day uh, from the morning to the, to the evening, or, or cutting, I don't know, crops or anything like this, bending down, a, uh, lifting objects without any knowledge. Well, by knowledge, what we mean intelligence in movement. Uh, we tend to think that uh, uh, people in the, um, for example, Middle Ages were more stupid than we are. I don't think that is correct. <laughs> well, if you read people that were writing at the time, you will find that, well, some of them are much more intelligent than, how, than we are. So why do we expect that, such, that people should be stupid because they haven't got an iPhone? Well, uh, I think people with iPhone, well, I'm not insulting anybody, but I think that iPhone doesn't make anybody more intelligent than he is or doesn't train somebody to be intelligent at all. While there are activities, I, I, I remember just one. Um, it's just to give you an example. 
France has long been a, a, a land where we produce milk. And so uh, after collecting the, the meal from the cow, you have to carry buckets, buckets of milk. And uh, there was a, a tool that you would carry on top of your shoulders. Uh, I don't know the name in English. And uh, on this tool, you can in fact suspend the buckets full of milk on your shoulder so that you can carry very easily like, uh, well, 15 or 20 liters of milk at a time. It's really efficient. So during one of my workshops, I, I built such a tool. I wanted to show uh, people that our ancestors may have been using intelligence in movements. It's a very simple experiment to make. You just need to, to, to in fact, uh, like sculpt uh, a piece of wood that would can rest on the top of the neck and on each side you hang uh, the buckets with two ropes and then i asked the person to perform a three meter walk with the uh, gizmo with the apparatus yes and i i put only half uh, i mean half a liter of water in both uh, buckets, there were water. There was water everywhere. <laughs> After a few experiments, people discovered that uh, in order to move with the bucket, staying in line and not going everywhere at once, well, there was a problem. They had to change the way they walk. <laughs> <laughs> the way they walk, well, the habitual way was absolutely not <laughs> uh, uh, um, what was required in order to be able to just uh, carry half a little weight on each bucket. It was very, very strange. They discovered that they had to uh, suddenly um, program themselves to start moving in a completely different way and uh, a more balanced way, of course. You know, they couldn't sway on one side. They couldn't throw one foot forward. There were rules. And uh, if, you, if you don't know the rules, <laughs> you, can, you can try. And you can try for hours or days and you will not succeed. You will end up, uh, well, soaked every day. So, uh, there is uh, this idea that there has been a break in uh, the conjunction of intelligence and movement. Uh, well, most people would say to you that uh, sitting on a desk doesn't require any intelligence. That's correct. Sitting badly on a desk doesn't require any intelligence at all. Yes? If you don't understand that your manner of sitting is going to have long-term effects, well, you will suffer the long-term effects. So, uh, in the same way as to carry two buckets, you have to apply intelligence to the way you are organizing the movements, but in the same way sitting, and uh, also the same way appearing on stage and uh, making will gesture look natural. Uh, they, they were obsessed with this idea of second nature. It's as if at the time the public was keen on spotting actors that were not acting natural, fake or like uh, bad actors. And the, the main idea for the actors was to, well, of course, combat stage fright. There is a, this, this notion of um, being uh, subject to subconscious guidance, being at the mercy of your feeling is a big problem for an actor. It's also a big problem for a person that is sitting on a desk, but it's not as visible. It's not as uh, obvious. 
Well, when you go on stage to perform and play a character that is not you, uh, suddenly um, anxiety and fright is a big part of the problem. Because to look natural, you cannot, uh, well, uh, have your teeth uh, clapping together all the time. <laughs> you need to organize yourself in such a way that what you feel is uh, not really important in that sense also. So there is this idea um, of um, suddenly, instead of having the movement, the movement and the mood dictated by habit, by what I feel, what I'm used to feel, what I expect to feel, no. Suddenly, there was this, uh, this idea of freedom, freedom from oneself. And uh, it was, it was the, the aim. This was, the, in fact, this realization that acting habitually, acting spontaneously is a limitation. So Alexander was part of these people that wanted to break barriers. Well, he, most people do not understand it like this today, but at the time it was very clear. It's uh, uh, often I, I hear people say that uh, thinking is um, we think too much. Thinking creates tension, thinking creates unrest. Well, this is absolutely not the idea of conscious guidance and control, obviously. Uh, we talk about intelligence. Intelligence doesn't create tension. Intelligence is uh, the idea of adapting to special conditions and adapting in the best way. And I think people often make the mistake of um, believing they're thinking when really they're just experiencing negative emotions and feelings and narrating some words subvocally to themselves. Yes, think that's... They, 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 it's really thoughting, not thinking. Yes, um, What we're that's talking correct. about is, is intelligent thinking. It's different. Yes, Alexander makes the difference very easily. He says, uh, uh, reasoned, reasoned thoughts, reasoned ideas in order to obtain an end. And reason means whereby. There is this idea that there are two kinds of uh, thinking. There is a thinking that is uh, uh, flowing. You think about what you feel. You feel, think about what you could have felt. You, feel, you think about what you would like to feel. This is subconscious, subconscious uh, thinking all the time. No, no, no. Uh, conscious thinking is different. Conscious thinking is, first of all, uh, describing accurately what you're working with. What is the mechanism that is the, uh, uh, the means whereby you will produce what, it is, what you want to produce? So there is this. There is the planning. Thinking is about planning. Because, of course, as I said, uh, when you understand this idea that you have to perform different movements at the same time, well, you cannot describe the movements together. You have to describe the movement one after the other. It's only during the execution, during the performance, that the movement can be, in fact, uh, performed together. That's the idea of rehearsing. That is uh, part of uh, Alexander, um, uh, well, theater, uh, wording. He says, uh, rehearsing the orders. We rehearse. And rehearsing is not uh, thinking words in your mind. Rehearsing is saying them out loud. And uh, when you do say orders out loud, of course, they are one after the other. There is still another job, is to project the orders. What, what we mean by projecting orders is that once you understand the mechanism, how the different parts can move relatively to, to the other, uh, irrespective of what you feel possible or not, then, well, there is the idea of uh, conjugating or concerting, as Alexander used the word, concerting uh, the activity of all the movements at the same time. At first, this may look, uh, well, impossible or frightening, but you, you just have to experiment. 
first with very, very simple series of movements, like two movements. So I propose my pupils to uh, first of all see if they can really that we say understand movement. When we say understand movement, we want to define very clearly what is the part that is moving, where is the part articulated, what is moving relative to what, uh, where is the starting point, and where is the end point that we wish, what is the trajectory to, to go from the starting point to the end point, what is the timing, of, uh, of the movement. What is the acceleration during that timing? So does the person accelerate very much and then slow down or accelerate just a little bit and then go and then decelerate slowly? Well, there are many, many different ways to uh, could consider a movement. And then when the person, well, as a good understanding of the two movements, we ask the person to perform the two movements at the same time. And when that happens, well, we can then control, we can then objectively, especially with, uh, of course, with the tools we have today, with these cameras, uh, we can see when the person is performing the two movement, is the person performing the, the two movement and starting at the same time? Is the person ending the two movement at the same time? Well, that can be assessed. Oh, that can be control, or what we say, a uh, better word would say measure. So, this is the, uh, uh, the idea of conscious guidance and control. But uh, when you ask the question, well, there is uh, Alexander's idea of uh, conscious guidance and control, and how did that uh, evolve? Um, well, from my point of view, I started as a teacher of the modern Alexander Technique. I was trained as a modern Alexander Technique teacher, which is a touch teacher, a person that uh, uh, knows how to sculpt the body of someone else. And um, I discovered that uh, this approach had uh, very little to do with conscious guidance and control. The, the person that received the touch uh, information is not performing any intelligent act. The person is just uh, feeling something and the person is told that what she's feeling, even if it feels wrong, is the correct thing. So in the end, the person is going to try and reproduce what she's felt which is the definition for engaining or the definition for uh, acting according to what one feels. So I was really puzzled at the end of my training course because uh, I realized in the end that um, there was an enormous discrepancy between the technique that was described in the book and uh, the modern Alexander technique. So I had to inquire. I had to, in fact, um, see uh, if conscious guidance and control uh, could really exist. Uh, if uh, it was possible to teach oneself conscious control, because uh, conscious control and guidance is a self-development uh, system. It's, of course, I am a teacher of conscious guidance and control, but when I say this, I say that I'm helping people to develop for themselves the technique of conscious guidance and control. I am not applying a technique of conscious guidance and control to them. I am teaching them how to develop that technique, uh, which is different. So, um, so then, yes, I, I have to say that um, it was necessary to reinvent, in some ways, uh, the technique of conscious guidance and control. So what I teach nowadays is um, my, uh, the result of my experiments, the result of my uh, deep um, study of Alexander's books. And um, some people will say, this is not the Alexander technique, of course. Uh, it's, it's, you, can, you cannot find anything closer to the books that one I teach, but I, I, I am not Alexander. I don't know what exactly, so very often uh, Alexander is uh, elusive. Uh, 
very often is misleading. I think sometimes uh, uh, voluntarily so. And so uh, it's, it's just a matter of trying to find what it could be. And it's based on experiments. I am not teaching conscious guidance and control, telling people this is conscious guidance and control. This is the only way. I'm just telling people we could do a few experiments. You could see if you can uh, uh, direct a few movements together. Can you, uh, can you try and perform a concerted activity that is defined in advance? And what it is, are you, what it is you're going to, uh, to discover? What are you going to feel when you do it? And what is going to be the uh, expression of yourself that is going to be seen on screen? Imagine that um, you play with a few others and suddenly you see yourself on screen perfectly organized. Well, well so much better organized than you have never been before uh, with a, when on, an, an image on screen, expression that is uh, uh, really balanced and, and strong. While at the time when you're performing that experiment, you feel all crooked and tense and, uh, and disorganized. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe uh, in what you feel? Or are you going to believe in what you see? Meaning, uh, what it is you want? Do you want to feel as if you're stable and organized and on top of things? Or do you want to look that you are organized and on top of things? It's, uh, it's a question. Well, you cannot, you cannot make the decision for anyone. The person has to experiment with that and to make a role. I have seen often people that uh, uh, would not want to continue with conscious guidance and control. It was, well, I think that the, the plunge, the gap between their uh, somatic ideas, their embodiment ideas that uh, you need to feel inside what you express outside is, was too great a, a leap and to go toward conscious guidance and control and discover that uh, our habits of physical habits and mental habits are just that, habits. And uh, very often they are not uh, conducive to expansion. They are not conducive to, um, to what we want really, because what people want to be free. People want to, be, uh, to feel nice and to feel uh, open to new things. And well, uh, it's, it's very clear that uh, uh, there are different techniques and some techniques are not producing many new things. If you, if you look at the modern Alexander technique, how many new procedures, real new procedures have been invented in the last 50 years? It's amazing, very, very little. And so uh, when you make that decision, it's yours. And uh, you will make it on the idea that um, if a mechanism uh, works according to certain rules, well, it doesn't matter what you feel when it, uh, when it performs. What matters is that it performs in that way according to the rules. And this isn't just a luxury for us moderns to play around with. Um, this brings it back to... Uh, you mentioned people in the Middle Ages, but if we go back even further, our furthest back ancestors, whatever else they were doing, they were experimenting and doing things against what they felt. Yes. So, you know, right back to controlling fire, I, they would have to have been conscious about what they were doing, but going very much against the terror of uh, the, the new experiences. And this is something that's been constant with humans throughout evolution and uh, in modern times we seem to have lost this and it's more about top-down 
um, information downloads into people rather than teaching people an experimental craft that they develop for themselves. Yes. Yes, I think this is a great, great uh, gift of uh, conscious guidance and control is that uh, people are just taught our ways to develop their spirit of inquiry, develop their, their capacity to, uh, in fact, explore beyond the limitation of the, uh, the strict, uh, oh, I don't know this, I don't feel nice when I do this. Well, if I do understand, if I do reason out, a uh, an organization that is uh, conducive conducive to good functioning. I do not care if I feel good or bad when I do it. I just want to experiment whether I can first, yes, and whether uh, I can improve on the because at first, of course, if you start um, producing new gestures, new concerted gestures, at first they will feel so strange that you will certainly express something of that feeling we are so used to expressing directly everything we feel that as soon as a person tries to concert two or three movement the person will look tense will show to the camera uh, a sort of, uh, of, 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 of rigidity well it's obvious yes we expect it. And uh, the idea is to see whether the person can make it look easy, can make it look, uh, because uh, it's just, again, a question of expression. How do you consciously guide and control your own expression? Very often, when you teach a new thing to people, they, they look uh, like positively afraid as if they were not going to understand. So their facial expression is representing something of what they think they can or cannot do without knowing if they can or cannot do it anyway. So that expression is not interesting. They are making people believe and they are making themselves believe that they have a problem with death. Why? There is no reason to do that. So when you receive something that is new to you, that you've never done before, you cannot expect yourself to be good at it. You cannot, you cannot have a judge inside yourself saying, well, you're going to fail again. What do we care? We expect to fail. There is no problem with that. So there is no reason of, uh, uh, of having that expression. There is this uh, concept in the books of Alexander that was de developed not by him, but that by other people. But it, it takes the, it takes, he goes around the concept, the concept of free expression. What is free expression? For many people, free expression is the expression of all the feelings you have. You are true to yourself uh, when you show you're tired when you're tired and you show when you're anxious when you're anxious. Uh, it's not the way Alexander considered free expression. Free expression is the capacity to express what, we, what you want for the best interest of yourself and the people around you. So even if you are slightly anxious, you're, when your child is learning to, to do math and failing, for example, you, you give a, uh, an, ex uh, an exercise, a uh, arithmetic exercise to a child and the child uh, doesn't understand the, the exercise and, and fails, you know, once, twice, three times. Uh, it's something you, you have to consider. What is your going to be your expression? Are you going to manifest, to have a gesture that is uh, showing, I don't know, uh, impatience, anger, uh, disgust, or uh, I don't know, even fear is not going to succeed. Is that positive? Is that constructive? Certainly not, because you are going to communicate that uh, feeling through the expression. Imagine you're an actor then. It's very simple. You think, okay, 
the actor is confronted with a child that is not succeeding, but the actor is not me. The actor is not, uh, the actor is, uh, is like nice and loving and, uh, and interested in errors. So what would be the expression? Can you, and so some people say, yes, but you're not spontaneous. No, no, you're not spontaneous. You are, you are, you have a definite plan in mind. A spontaneous person has no plan. Yes. So reasoning is about making plans. And the plans are that you want the child to, in fact, learn by his mistakes. That's how we learn. And if you want to learn by mistakes, you have to, well, develop an attitude, uh, an expression you want to have when you are facing errors, when you're facing doubts, when you're facing failure. When, what happens when Alexander is facing failures? He just continues. He just goes on. He just learns from his failure. So it's the same thing. So there is a need of, um, of a new construction of expression. And that is the idea of conscious guidance and control. So some of this then is people develop these expressions. Is it to uh, influence the people around them or to even maybe make excuses for being unable to do things or to avoid taking responsibility for, uh, for their movements, for their actions? So that they, they aim, and, you know, and you see a lot now in self-help world or people who are interested in mind, body, spirit, they seem to want to get to a newer, freer expression of their feelings, better feelings, and then they just they can just go with them now and they don't need to make decisions. But that's not how it works at all. Well, we are all confronted with that in, in, in different ways. We, we all have to, in fact, start to observe or, or study our own expressions and see how we, we can improve. So, yes, I, I know that <laughs> there are uh, uh, types of uh, development uh, systems that is, that is based on the exact opposite idea. The idea that, yes, uh, you, uh, this idea of freedom of expression that Alexander so, uh, criticized so much. Uh, most people have completely forgotten that he was saying that. And even some Alexander teachers are exactly in this, you know. So uh, this is uh, uh, part of uh, the construction of expression. So for us, it's part of uh, the experiments we want to make and we want to see whether uh, we can, in fact, in different situations, especially uh, what we call adverse situation. Because it's, it's very simple. W when you observe a person uh, that is not stimulated, you, you don't see the, the real uh, habits of mind of that person. It's absolutely necessary to be confronted with, uh, uh, well, what we call difficult situation. Like, the, for example, the, the basic is uh, balance or the basic is uh, feeling something that is not right. So you can engineer a situation very easily where a person is going to feel strange, a person is going to feel um, uh, not in a proper position. What, what is called proper means uh, that is not according to what the person feels habitually. And then you observe what is happening and the person is going to observe too. Well, it's a self-observation, but it's, a, it's not an observation in the sense that we observe uh, how we react in the moment. We observe on film later to see how the person has, uh, has uh, performed. Uh, of very often, I have had some comments after lessons and the person asked me, do I uh, make that face and interrupt all the time? And I say, what do you mean make that face and interrupt all the time? And the person, yes, I make a face like if I was, uh, uh, in the midst of suffering and uh, resisting. Oh, you, uh, you call that suffering and resisting? You, you mean that face? Yes, you do that all the time, every time I say something. 
okay, okay. And I do I interrupt all the time too? Well, all the time. It's uh, it's difficult to say all the time. It's uh, well every well I don't know fifteen seconds. <laughs> and the person says, "I don't want to be that person." Well, that's that's a different thing, you know. Uh, of of course, you can you can start to organize your expression differently. That's that's uh, there is no doubt out uh, here. Yes. So expression is not just um, how I sit and how I stand. <clears throat> of course, how I sit and how I stand is a perfect ground to experiment because there is something I want to add about conscious guidance and control when we say that we cannot change but as a whole. Is that a mechanism, Alexander is considering mechanism. Mechanisms are, uh, in fact, systems of parts that moves together to produce a function. So, for example, there is, a, we will see, there is, a, uh, is always coming back to something he called the mechanisms of the torso. And so, when you observe the mechanism of the torso, you have uh, different parts that are working together to produce a function. So, Let's say, let, let's say at the very uh, uh, surface level of expression of what you show to people. You can show to people different way of bending the torso. You can bend the torso with the center of the torso forward and the extremities backward, which, which makes your abdomen protrude forward. It's the expression of... Uh, of uh, of uh, outwardness, you know, um, putting the belly forward and top and back of the torso back. But there is another way. You can also have the middle of the torso backward and the top and bottom of the torso forward, which is most people well, like uh, a subdued attitude or, or slumping attitude, if you want. But there is a question is, where is the middle ground? Well, the middle ground is when you're not arch forward or arch backward when the top, the middle, and the bottom of the torso are on the same plane. This is uh, basic and simple. Well, experimenting with it is very interesting because we will find that we are very good at the extreme. We are very good at slumping and arching. But uh, how do we get to, uh, well, the middle ground, the stable poles, the noble attitude? That is uh, that is used in the in the theater world. What well, was used in the theater world uh, the century ago? So that is a, a very interesting question. At, the, at first, the, the pupil has no solution about that. He will discover that uh, you need to to well to feel things that are contrary to everything you felt before. If you want to align these spots. Aligning the spots is, uh, is very rational, is very, uh, it's geometric, yes? You, you can have a perfect representation of the result you want to achieve. Neither curving one way, neither curving the other way. Alexander called that the middle way. Well, uh, conscious guidance and control then is uh, not a way to find the correct feeling in order to do that, no. It's about, in fact, starting to understand the movements that will produce that result. And, um, well, Alexander doesn't use in his books the word movement that way. He uses, uh, like, um, the, the, the idea of means whereby. The means whereby you can assume a uh, centered or balanced posture is through the coordination of a series of movements. So you need to learn to direct these movements together. And it's possible, it's easy. It's, uh, there is only one thing that may uh, bar your, b block your, your advance is uh, your habit of, uh, of, of feeling. If you, if you want to feel like yesterday, uh, or like the day before, or like you've always felt, well, 
that is not going to work. Because of course, if you start uh, constructing series of movements reasonably and implementing them using your, your capacity of mind, well, then you will discover that, of course, uh, the new uh, organization that you're looking for, the balanced one, is uh, making you feel horrendous. So that is, uh, that is very important to, to come back to this idea of uh, mechanism in the Alexander Technique, because when we say change as a whole, uh, people must understand that we are going to use intelligence, but we are, are going to develop the, the mind tool, develop the, the capacity. For example, when we say mind tool, well, there is something that is quite clear, is that if you want to direct a series of movement, so several movements at the same time, well, you need to have the characteristics of the movement in memory at the moment you perform. And uh, most people discover that memory is something they haven't really considered before. They, people think that people have memory or don't have memory. If I have a good memory, I don't have a good memory. It's something you hear. Well, there, in experiments, you discover that, first of all, memory is very dependent on uh, what you uh, experience at uh, any one time. If you are anxious, you will find that your capacity of uh, having different things in mind at the same time is getting lower, much, much lower. It's very simple to, to create that type of experiment. And the type of experiment is of no import if we cannot give the person some rules and some uh, principles in order to overcome these limitations. The, the, the main principle here of uh, conscious guidance and control is to be able to keep thinking reasonably, to keep a system of uh, a number of different mental objects at the same time in more and more difficult emotional conditions. Uh, the idea is not to be able to perform fantastic when you are in a cocoon, a protective uh, environment where there is no noise, there is no uh, nothing that will prevent you from performing. No, no, we want to be able to perform in a, in a cafe where people are shouting everywhere and, and throwing, I don't know what they throw, tomatoes to the actor. Um, Alexander must have found uh, some situation like this in Australia where uh, the crowd can be a bit unruly and the actor has to earn his, uh, you know, earn his money. <laughs> and, and this takes us back again to the history of this and um, people, our ancestors in the past had to learn, had to evolve this skill uh, to be able to survive. And um, what we are doing is taking this uh, potential skill that people use in some ways and developing it further and using it formally in all the areas of life rather than just using it haphazardly in some places and not in others and just hoping things turn out for the best, which <laughs> clearly they, isn't working. So I think that's probably a good place to stop today, Jondo. Um, anyone listening and watching the video, if you check out the show notes, you can get links to Jondo's websites and to book a lesson with them if you're interested. And we will see you the next time. Thank you, Jondo. Thank you, Kevin. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.